Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanie Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have a dope jam-packed show for you today. It's Wednesday, so you know we have a great interview lined up for you today. Today, we have none other than Chef Oliver Say, who is a regional librarian chef that currently has a food truck called Homage Cuisines of the West African Diaspora and has a food stand at Lancaster Central Market. I cannot wait to get into the details with him. Also, if you haven't had the chance to listen to part one of this week's podcast with Dr. Kapuka Campbell discussing our top five news stories of the week, then I implore you to take a listen. Again, our guest today is Chef Oliver Say, who was born in Western Liberia, came to the United States at the age of five, and after traveling around the Upper East Coast, his family relocated to Lancaster around the age of 10. Over time, his love of food developed, and this McCaskey grad is now the proud owner of Homage Cuisines of the West African Diaspora. Father, entrepreneur, private chef, African cuisine historian, local legend, and a friend of the show who continually gives back to his community in amazing ways. I would like, no, 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 let me change it. I would love to welcome Chef Oliver to the Melanin Report. Chef, how you doing today? I am doing well, Marquise. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, so let's just jump, jump right into it because we have a lot to cover here. So, um, to start off, can you introduce yourself and and tell us about your culinary background and journey as a chef? All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So, um, as Mar- um, Marquise said earlier, um, I was I was born in Liberia. My mother is Liberian. My dad is Guinean, which is a neighboring West African country. Um, we moved to the United States when I was five years old. Lived in New York City for about six years, Brooklyn and the Bronx. Um, then moved to Colorado, and this is all because of my dad, because he was um, in college on a school visa. So then switched to Colorado. Lived there for about a year. Quite an experience at a young age, living in Colorado from New York City. I believe that. But that's another topic. (laughs) Um, And then he uh, finished up at Millersville University. Um, So that was basically our journey in these United States. So um, once again, I'm a McCaskey graduate after high school. Um, started working in the culinary field, and I've been in the culinary field for 30 years, different aspects of the industry from fine dining to retirement to chain restaurants, and as recently as a, a month ago, the Boys and Girls Club of Lancaster, which I left uh, my job to fully um, concentrate on my business. So I'm 100% um, entrepreneurship now. I have to wake up for anybody. Uh, you out here. <laughs> you out here. Yes, 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 yes. So um, so let's, let's focus on that. Why did you decide to take that leap? Um, well, I think I kind of did it early in the year. A friend of mine um, had a stand at Central Market, mm-hmm. um, and she was actually under the West African umbrella. She was actually from Burkina Faso. Um, so she was leaving, and I remember I went there. I was like, oh, so you're leaving? She's like, yeah. I was like, hmm, do they have anybody fill your spot? She's <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Let's go talk to the manager. So anyway, so we went to talk to the manager of the market, and she was like, fill out the application. So I was like, I filled it out. So um, if it wasn't for the West African umbrella, it probably had been a sl- like 
you know, probably been on a waiting list. But since mm. I was under the same umbrella, it was a very easy transition yeah. um, to slide in there. So, um, yeah, so that was using my West African privilege. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Cash in that privilege when <laughs> you can. Cash it in. So, um, yeah, so that was back in about February. Um, I think it was about April when I got the word that um, I'd been accepted by the board. Mm. And uh, come August. Um, the rest is history. So anyway, uh, why did I leave my job? Because I felt with this position at the market that I needed to go in with two foot in mm. instead of uh, trying to figure a way how to still work and still try to do this. And I would have been, I felt it would have been detrimental um, to my business. Sometimes you only kind of get like one shot to right. really shine. So yeah, so it was it was time to. It was time to say goodbyes and, and, and focus on that. So so then what does a typical day look like at the market? You wake up um, what, 4 o'clock? Yeah, have to be so at six? it's pretty interesting because I didn't foresee that. Once you get in it, you get in it. When you're not in it, you don't really, like, see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's literally like you have a restaurant. Oh, you have a restaurant, they operate three days a week, which but the market operates three days a week. So mm-hmm. everybody in there basically has their own restaurant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's a lot. Even though we're closed the four other days, but those four other days is it's it's buying um, materials and supplies mm. for your stand, make sure you're stocked, and then it's the prepping, right, because the food don't cook itself. Right. <laughs> you know, so on market days, which uh, Central Market is 6 to 3, uh, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, so on market days, I actually go in like 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. I go, yeah, so I go in 1 o'clock in the morning. I start my, I start my prep, um, and, yeah, and five hours goes quick. Mm-hmm. You know, far, yeah, and then it's like pack it in your car, take it there. Central Market is a little bit different because f- at least far as the, the food um, uh, stand holders, mm-hmm. um, everything has to be cooked off site because they don't have a ventilation system oh, within okay. the market. So everything has to be um, cooked off site and then brought there. Mm-hmm. So So that's why, too— I'm up earlier right. to prep and whatnot. If it was a, another place that had a you know ventilation system that you could just prep things there, mm-hmm. then I mean it would still be an early morning, but it wouldn't be one o'clock. <laughs> and and, um, and yeah. you also have a food truck, so I, I also have a food truck. Yes. So then, what's the um, um, process process with your food truck then? So the food truck is is, is kind of the same thing, depending mm. on um, the, depending on the time of your food truck. Wow, you know what I mean, or the time of that event. So let's say if a, and and once again with my food truck because every food truck is different. Mm-hmm. So my food truck is ready to serve. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you know what I mean by that, but basically ready to serve mean when I'm on the truck, I'm not cooking anything. Okay. So when a customer orders, mm-hmm. it's basically plating it up, right. and boom. So they're getting that food within a minute. Right. Versus. I mean grilling something or frying something or mm-hmm. whatever that's going to might take you know five ten minutes where they wait and yeah so my, so everything is ready to serve so everything every preparation is literally done off the truck I mean uh, you know in the commissary mm-hmm. before getting on the truck so yeah so depending on the time I mean I could be in the kitchen once again like f- you know five plus hours before I transfer the stuff to the food truck and, and go to the event oh man so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so a lot of early mornings. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it. So then, uh, can you describe uh, some of the unique flavors and ingredients uh, that that you use? 
Uh, yeah. So uh, once again, my my premise is the West African diaspora. So um, not only am I focusing just on West Africa, but I'm speaking on the diaspora as a whole as far as um, the Americas. So, um, you know, uh, you know, some some dishes might be southern food mm-hmm. you know it might be west african food it might be something from the caribbean like haitian or jamaican or puerto rican or whatever or it might be even going further south to ecuador and brazil mm-hmm. um so a lot of those flavors and seasonings are very kind of like similar in some ways but mm-hmm. yet sometimes different in some ways yeah um, depending on the ingredients and whatnot so that's what you expect from me if you go to my food truck or or my my stand at Central Market. Hey, and and the mac and cheese or <laughs> or what I like to call it the crack and cheese because it is amazing. Is that your favorite <laughs> mac and cheese, Marquise? Oh yes, absolutely, <laughs> hands down, hands down. Yes. When I when I go to you know certain places, I'm I'm like all right. <laughs> Who made who made the mac and cheese? I make one of those faces, you yeah. know. <laughs> and, and also, I'm also an educator, so just know that our mac and cheese is from one of us of our enslaved ancestors. Yeah. Um. Just so everybody knows, and that was a a chef named James Hemmings, who was um uh taught in France hmm. um on his cuisine and. Um, so when he came from France, he brought a lot of stuff that he learned to this country. And not only was he a chef, of one of the famous chefs, but he was also in slave property of uh, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so. The, the more you know. And, and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to, to all these yeah. nuggets of knowledge. And, and also the older brother of Sally Hemings, who um, bared about five to six of Jefferson's kids. Wow. <laughs> I, I, folks, folks, I don't have I don't have much to say here. I, I, I'm in awe of this man's knowledge. Uh, so um, Liberia's food food culture uh, has been influenced by various ethnic groups. So how do you incorporate these diverse culinary traditions into your dishes? Um, once again, just uh, once again, it's all about, um, like I said, I'm an educator. I'm a historian. So I like to research as well. Um, my crew is called um, the Crew Tribe. Um, my crew, my tribe is called Crew, mm. which is K R U. Um, so we were the, we actually were the like the, the, the seafood people. So we lived on the shores, mm. and actually the crew was actually one of the tribes who actually um, fought off the um, enslavers. Oh wow! Um, and what was that through death? But they made sure they never got colonized. So just just FYI, not to brag on my on my tribe. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, going ahead, <laughs> going ahead. Yeah. So um, and if a lot of people are not aware of Liberia's history, it was actually um, there was actually a group of uh, a group of two in people in America that's actually started this transition. Um, that was um, it was the slaveholders and. And also the Quakers, mm. um, and they formed a organization called the American Colonization Colonization Society, the ACS, and this was formed because there was 
people of who were formerly enslaved or folks who had never been enslaved that that wanted to go back to West Africa. So this organization was funded by United States government, and in 1822, February 1822, they set sail to West Coast Africa and declared this land Liberia. So for about 25 years, from 1822 for about 1847, um, Liberia is almost kind of like a colony of the U.S. Hmm. Um, 1847 came, um, the ACS was going bankrupt. Um, they said to to the people of Liberia, um, you might want to consider maybe this independent thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so July 26, 1847, um, Liberia declared its independence and became the second black republic after Haiti, who uh, gained their independence in 1801. So that's kind of like a brief history mm. of Liberia, at least the beginnings. Um just let you know, not everything was kumbaya in Liberia because you had the, like, if you want to call them the Liberian Americans versus the indigenous people of Ooh. Liberia. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't all, it, it wasn't all, you know, rainbows. <laughs> let's let's let, let's dig into that because uh, that's that's what is is kind of portrayed through history that that there was this kumbaya between uh, the natives and and the li- Liberian uh, uh, Americans. So so how how was that in actuality? What did you learn? Uh yeah, there was there was definitely friction because even though you had these people who were formerly enslaved or never enslaved at all, they want to go back to West Africa. Um but they they brought the mindset of the westerners. They brought oh. the mindset of the of the of their former enslavers. Yeah. So if you look at all the um the buildings, the agriculture, I mean not agriculture, but the buildings, it looks very much like almost like the the, the American South. Okay. The antebellum. Um, the, the three branches of government. If you ever look at the, the Liberian flag, mm-hmm. it's literally the U.S. flag. <laughs> literally. Wow. Like, and it's just one star. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you, yeah, you look at it, you might, you know, folks not educated enough, they might think it was Delaware. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, but that was yeah. So there was um, there was enslavement, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, there's enslavement in, in probably in the history of every country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there was enslavement. Obviously, the people, the Liberian Americans, had the power. They had the pen, so they did dictated. Um, matter of fact, it wasn't until just until recently where the first um, indigenous president of Liberia, who is actually the the present the current president right now, George Weah of Liberia, who was a famous uh, footballer in his day. Okay. Um so yeah. And by, and by footballer you mean soccer. Uh, yes. Well well, yeah. well by football well, you mean football. Yeah, I the mean real football. <laughs> the real football. Yes, yes. Where they actually use their foot. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um so um you mentioned Jolov. Um now for our listeners who might not be familiar can you share some of the other staples of Liberian cuisine uh, that you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, so Liberian cuisine and even a little bit simultaneous with West African, but specifically Liberian, jell-off is one of those things that is all over um, the West Coast of Africa, tomato-based rice. Um, we have another uh, dump, uh, uh, staple that is a dumpling that we eat with our hands, and it's usually served with soups or stews, and it's called fufu. I love um, fufu. It's, it's, made from, it's made from either cassava, um, yams, and I mean, when I say yams, I'm not talking about what we used to say as yams in the United States. It's actually yams, the original yams from Africa, which is white. 
Um, so wait, um, yeah. oh chef, keep on dropping them. Yeah, keep yeah. On dropping so them. so it's actually it's actually white. If you look at it from afar, you might look like is it a mix of potato or cassava? What is it? A potato or cassava? Um, but it's yeah, it's yam. So and huh. then also plantains. That's another form um, where you can make um, uh, fufu from, or even a combination of all three. All right, so yeah. um, so are there any um, specific cooking techniques or methods uh, that are fundamental to uh, uh, preparing a a uh, librarian cuisine? Uh, it's typically like done by just slow boiling braising. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'll probably say about ninety percent of the dishes. Um, obviously, Liberia is a it's a uh, country on the coast, so obviously seafood is very heavily used. Um, different types of meats, but particularly just uh, stewed with different types of greens. Um, it could be potato greens. Um, it could be cassava leaf. It could be um, winter greens, you know, different types of greens that we you will find, like, within the country and in the island. Yeah. All right. And and your journey as a chef um, has to, has to, have to have been filled with memorable experiences. Uh, can you share a particularly rewarding or challenge challenging moment in your career in my career um well we'll talk about memories um oh that liberian rice bread as a child <laughs> have you ever had the bread yours yeah yes yes okay yes love oh, it my man. kids my kids love it <laughs> <laughs> i mean that is like oh my goodness that is like deep i don't want to brag and sound biased but they, when that bread comes out the oven oof. I mean, you can have that with tea. It's it's Liberian rice bread is a it's base it's basically a banana bread. Mm. Um, it's our country's version. Um, we used a bunch of different baking spices like your nutmeg, cinnamon, um, allspice, uh, cardamom. Um, but the the version that I make, because a lot of the recipes is made with eggs and milk, but I actually admit that. So it's actually vegan. Um, and oh, I tried wow. it one time. I was like, oh, it doesn't even miss the eggs or the milk. Um, and then also we don't use flour, so it's also gluten-free. And what we use is um, the the um, breakfast uh, porridge cream of rice. Um, so that is what we put in there. Yeah, and then it's baked. And like I said, you can have that with wine, coffee. You can put ice cream on top. It's actually delectable. Ah, very so, much so. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, and that's what actually one of my, my favorite price-selling um, uh, products along with my ginger pineapple juice. Yeah. That's another classic. Yeah, that's another classic. <laughs> that is. Yeah, that is another classic. Yeah, that 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 heal up. If you're not feeling well, you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Man, that uh, that that helped out after a couple long nights, and, and I mean, it got it got that bounce back, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So um, so um, you you've done multiple projects uh throughout your career, but um, more specifically. Um, I want to look at the Baldwin project and and, and how how has going through that uh, shaped shaped your cuisine, shaped your business? Because after the Baldwin, you changed your business's name, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So prior to the Baldwin, um, my business and actually it's actually still the name of my business, quote-unquote, because now I just do a DBA. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was called Calling Their Services by Chef Oliver, LLC. Uh, so now it's just a DBA with a homage. But, yeah, so prior to that, I was just doing, you know, just like regular type food. I didn't really have a focus or concentration into any type of cuisine or anything like that. In 1919, um, 
when I became a Baldwin Fellow, which is a, a fellowship that's offered by the Lancaster Community Foundation, which they do every two years, uh, and they select a group of seven people. I think now they do up to ten people, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, so every ten, every uh, two years, and I believe it's been, I think, 14 years in, in, in the works now that um, the, they've been doing the Baldwin. So, um, like I said, it's a group of it's a group of people they choose. You have to go through the application process. You fill out an application. You pick your own project um, and uh, whatever that project is. And then, you know, you either get accepted or you don't. And then you get a $5,000 grant, which I believe that's still the number. So you get a $5,000 grant. And then it's for t- 18 months, um, if I'm not mistaken. It's for 18 months. And then during that 18 months, you use that money, whatever is geared towards your project. My project was called Going Back Home, um, not just going home in a physical sense, but also in a mental um, in a mental sense, uh, emotional, spiritual. Um, so really focusing on the food of the diaspora, which I which I began to do and focus on. Uh, I was supposed to go back to Liberia in 2020, but we all know what happened oh, in 2020. Man, yeah. Actually, our group, actually our Baldwin group, was also was actually called the COVID group <laughs> <laughs> because we really couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so since I couldn't leave. Um, uh, the country. Um, I did some stuff within the country. So, I bet I went to like um, New Orleans, um, went to Charleston, South Carolina, Savannah, mm-hmm. Georgia, and uh, Houston, Texas. And and as you know, the American South is is a huge part of the West African diaspora. So, focused on those places. So at least I got to go places. I unfortunately didn't get to back to go home, but. Um, but I'm sure at some point I will. It just have to be on my dime. <laughs> I, I was about to say, are there uh, plans plans for you to go back home? Yeah, uh, I do. I don't have any plans that set mm-hmm. like right now. Um, but yeah, but I definitely um, definitely like to uh, make a pilgrimage back home for sure. Okay, so as a chef, you're an artist in the kitchen. Um, so what drives your creativity when you're developing new dishes for your menu? Well, right now everything is driven behind um, my premise. Which is which is the the diaspora. So every dish, um, cuisine, meal, um, ingredients, and even some stuff that I'm learning along the way too. Because obviously, I mean, it's so much to learn. You can't learn everything. Um, so and you probably wouldn't want to master it everything and know everything anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so everything is just geared back to them. And I think it's so very exciting. So even at my stand at Central Market, which I believe that it's a great platform to showcase a lot of different foods and meals, and, you know, for obviously for me, but also for um, the customers. Um, so that's really kind of like my motivation mm. of that. So um, this weekend coming up, I'll be del- delving into a lot of Southern stuff, a lot of Southern food. And, um, yeah, a little bit of West African. So it's going to be an interesting menu. And love that you just said that because the connection between food and culture is very profound. So how do you infuse cultural elements into your culinary presentations and, and storytelling? Um, hmm. How do I do that? Uh, just basically um, a lot of – well, it literally just starts just with the menu items. Mm. I mean – you know, it, um, uh, I'll give you an example. So last week or a couple of weeks ago, had a there's a dish called peri peri, 
um, chicken that I had. And peri-peri you can do with shrimp or whatever. But uh, like, oh, what's peri-peri chicken? Because a lot of stuff I put out there is new to some people, so they always have questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's this or what's that? And what's the, you know, premise behind it? So for peri-peri, it's all about, well, first of all, peri, it just stands for pepper. So that's so it's pepper chicken. Pepper. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, right. and 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 that was through the Portuguese slave trade, and if, mm. and also if folks don't know, the Portuguese actually were the first that started traveling the the world and started colonizing. So they were the original um, enslavers. Just FYI. So it was through their slave trade and through their former colonies that I um, got a hold of this recipe and this dish. Um, and some of their former colonies, if you don't know, there's Guinea Basu, Angola, Mozambique, and also um, uh, Brazil. Mm. So um, yeah, so just even from that, pepper chicken, d- different spices, some some acid. And when I say acid, I mean like, you know, citrus, um, lime, and lemon and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so everything has a little bit of, you know, history behind it. Um, as in, you know, every, really every dish is not, the West African diaspora is not anything more like spectacular than any other diaspora, but it's just what I focus on and I promote. All right, all right. So, so <clears throat> wrapping up here, we have about, Two minutes left. Um, Liberia's history uh, has has shaped its cuisine. So how does your business homage, pay homage to the country's past and its traditions? Um, just remembering, just remembering those meals, those um, those recipes. Um, um, yeah. And just I guess keeping that at the forefront. Um, of everything uh, that I do in my storytelling um, of the ancestors. I mean, really, that's that in a nutshell. All right. And then finally, what advice would you give to aspiring chefs who are interested in exploring and promoting regional or lesser known cuisines like Liberian food? Um, well, I say any anytime you enter just the culinary field in general, I mean, you got to make sure you're passionate about it. Yeah. You know, you're passionate about food. You're passionate about um, this is not an industry. I know the Food Network and some of these other food channels make it make the culinary arts profession look so fabulous. But you're going to be working long hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like you're just going to wake up whenever you want and, you know, you garnish some food and you work two hours and you go home. No, you're going to be you're going to be working a lot. <laughs> um, so you definitely have to make sure you love it. Mm. Um, if you just like it. Yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah, you won't. You won't be doing that for too long. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, you got to have the passion. Um, gotta um, also just be knowledgeable too of the food that you're cooking, um, because I can't even say I've been in the industry for 30 years. I know when I started, like just even from a customer standpoint, um, a lot of customers weren't really knowledge, so they didn't ask like a lot of questions. But now, like these customers on point, they they're they're well traveled. Mm. Um, you know, so. A lot of stuff like sometimes they have they have had before, so you just gotta make sure not only you're a great cook, but also um, you know historian, educator. So, and Chef O, you are all the above. I want to thank you for joining us and um, and telling us your story. I'm, I'm hoping that um, this won't be the last time. I hope so not too. So. <laughs> all right, so um, I will see you on the other side. Trust your dopeness. Peace. about time say you'll be mine let's be about this
moment in time. This love is timeless. It's less about time. Say you'll be mine. Let's be about this. You and I, let's be legendary lovers. We'll do it like no other. Baby, we should just let it be. Let it be. Who knows where this goes? Will you be a friend of all? Who knows? Who knows where this leads? I'ma give you my hand, baby. Just don't let go. You and I watch the stars align. I'll be yours, you'll be mine. You and I watch the stars align. Forever yours, forever mine. Moment in time. This love is timeless. It's less about time. Say you'll be mine. It's be about this. Moment in time. This love is timeless. It's less about time. Say you'll be mine. It's be about this. Legendary. Come on, baby. Love me crazy. You and I. Bonnie and Clyde, right till we die. Love's on the side. The questions collide. The questions collide. Legendary. Come on, baby. Love me crazy. You and I. Bonnie and Clyde, right till we die. Love's on the side. The questions collide. Oh, my God. 